We hope you enjoy this message recorded at Equipus Church, Dunedin. For more information, please visit equipuschurch.com. As I said, my name's Jake, and uh, I'm married to Fiona. Uh, for 16 years, we've been married. We started going around with each other. That's what we used to say. We used to physically ask them. We didn't text them. We didn't do anything like that. <laughs> I'm getting that old that I'm saying, oh, before phones, mobile phones were around. And, uh, and so I asked her, will you go around with me? That's what you said. I don't know, we just walk around together. And that's what we did. You know, like it's an old Victorian England thing. You would walk, you would take a walk around the room. Walking with a lady around the room. And that's what we've done now for about 23 years. We've walked around the room together. And uh, if you want to see a photo of Fiona, uh, this is a photo of Fiona and my two boys, just so you know who I am. Uh, so that's them, and that's Zane on the left there. He's almost 10, and Seth's 7, and Fiona's a little bit older than that. And, uh, and this was them, this was them uh, yesterday uh, on the way uh, flying to Tonga. So Fiona's helping to facilitate the Tonga medical missions trip, of which we've actually got not only Jake and Justine and their families, but also another couple from here, right? Which is pretty cool. So they're in Tonga as well. And so they flew out to Tonga yesterday. And this is a photo of me and Abelicious. My third son's called Abe. Uh, you can introduce yourself to him on the front row there. And that's me and Abe yesterday. And so we flew south and they flew north. And that was our family uh, yesterday flying around the place in planes and uh, going to different destinations. And the reason we do it is because we love living life on mission. Right? Are you live this evening? Yeah. Come, this is the 5 p.m. service. You've got to get vocal with me. You've got to tell me if things, if things are bad, you can just go, but just make some noise now. See, there you go. It's not hard. Come on, we, get, we shout when the Highlanders win. We shout when the Otago rugby team wins. Right? Do we? Yeah. <laughs> some of us, uh, maybe a lot more money with two fans than I thought are here. But... But I love being on mission, and I love my family. And, and uh, probably just so you know a little bit about us, we, um, uh, it's a bit of a crazy world that we live in, and uh, Fee and I. And so if you know the story, I used to be uh, in, in the Auckland church, and so I was the a pastor there in the Auckland church and for about five years. And then the last couple of years kind of morphed into a, uh, an executive or an associate pastor role for Pastor Sam. And then uh, so they were there seven years, and then Pastor Sam said, hey, I got this idea, how about you guys get down to Napier? And we thought, Napier who? And who's down there? And are there people there? And what is that? And so we decided to go and help out down there. And we've almost been there, coming in really close to two years now, which is pretty amazing. And we've seen incredible things happen uh, with the church there. Amazing things happen with the church. And God's done incredible things over the last sort of couple of years. And, um, and so we did that. But in the midst of all that, my wife Fiona is doing a PhD in international child health based out of Tonga. And so she's involved with that. December 15 is the date we talk about quite excitedly in our family at the moment because that's the date that she has to submit. And then it's kind of over for all of us, right? I kind of think that I'm getting one too. I'm pretty sure I get capped at the ceremony is that right? I think, I, I think we both walk up, husband and wife together, hand in hand, walking around the room, getting graduated together. I think that's what we do. I'm not sure. I'll figure it out when we get there. But, 
And so that's what she's doing. So in the midst of all this Napier business, uh, I said, can you do it from down there? And she said, well, I'm going to have to check it out. And so she asked her supervisor, and uh, he said, yeah, you can kind of do it from anywhere. You're just going to have to come back and forth a few times. And so there's times often where I'm flying to Auckland and Fee's flying back, and we're both kind of in midair, and somebody has the children. We don't, figure, we don't know who sometimes, but I know they're being cared for by someone, and that's awesome. And then, and then in the midst of it, she's, she's taken up a job uh, three days a week at the DHB, so she's a physiotherapist by trade and working with um, fetal alcohol spectrum disorder children and uh, providing a framework for those kids and how do we service them in our community and how do we help the families and, and all that. So that's three days a week. And, and from Monday to Thursday, she gets up at 5 a.m. and writes for two hours simply because she's just got to get it done. Because this deadline doesn't go away. And so she wakes up diligently at 5 a.m. And, and sort of wanders out, gets a little fan, he- little heater on her feet, and sort of beavers away for two hours to get stuff done. And in the midst of it, she's got three, sometimes four children, uh, including myself, to, to handle a lot of testosterone in our house. And she does all that. And then she helps to lead some of our medical staff around the country and she leads some of our care team pastoral processes around the country as well. And she's a wonderful wife and a wonderful mum. And that's what she does, which is amazing. And, and, and I'm not saying this to say anything. It's just that's the world that we're involved in. And then, and then I help with some of our churches around the country and around the world and sit on about nine of our different church trust boards. And so I go in and out of different places and help with the governance side of things to see how we are getting things done and ensuring that when we come into Equippers Church, it looks and it feels like Equippers. And can I say, this is a great church. And Pastor William Dez, I've known them for about 15 years. They're wonderful people and really, really solid friends of Fee and I. And you've got good pastors you really do. And man, you should text bomb Desiree because I think it's her birthday. I think it's a big birthday today. And so you should just drop a text bomb on her and just filter her with messages from love from home because I think they'd love that. And, but they're really, really good people. And so we do this, all this stuff. And then I help with some of our churches around Tonga and Rome and the Manila with some of the budgeting and the reporting and all these kind of things and do a bunch of other stuff too and help with the church in Napier and lead a team and preach in my, you know, prepare at night <laughs> for my messages and hope that, you know, we've got enough done. And, but how many other times life can feel a little bit chaotic, right? I know I'm not the only one. You'll have stories like this. This isn't unfamiliar territory to a lot of people, but a life can feel pretty chaotic at times. And I want to read a scripture in Luke 19 of a, of a time, because I think this is really going to help us tonight. And I reckon we could pray for some people tonight. How cool would that be? I don't know if you come to encounter God, but I love praying for people. Because you can hear my words, and it'll be good, and I've prayed, and I know what I'm going to speak about. But you can also come to really encounter the presence of the Holy Spirit. Because, you know, my words won't change you, but what God does through me will change you. What God does to you, how you come in, how you embrace God, how you have expectancy when you come into church, right? That changes you. That changes you. And so we're going to read from Luke 19. It's the story of Jesus and Zacchaeus. Luke 19, uh, chapter 1, verse 1, I should say. And it's from the New Living Translation. I'm reading this from. It'll be up on screen for you as well, for your benefit. But it's also very good to bring your Bibles to church. Good old-fashioned Bibles. I feel like I'm a fraud reading from this, but I am embracing technology, which is a good thing, but I do like bringing my Bible. It's always in my little satchel as well. I love reading it. I always read my devotionals out of my Bible. 
highlight stuff and you can write notes and you can do all sorts of things on it. Luke 19, so it says this, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region and he had become very rich. Amen. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus! He said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord, if I have che- and if I have cheated anybody on their taxes, I will pay them back four times as much. Imagine if the IRD did that. If I've cheated you, hey, we'll give you four times the amount. Oh, thank you so much, the government. It's wonderful of you. Verse 9, Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. It's a, it's a great story of Zacchaeus. It's a great little story. But in the last kind of couple of years, I've talked about my kind of crazy, chaotic life. But really, we kind of live in a crazy, chaotic world, would you not agree? Right? We look at the news and we kind of think, man, crazy stuff has happened. Donald Trump, who would have picked it? Brexit, so many things have happened where we go, that is just never gonna happen. That is not a sure thing. The bookies must have lost so much money because so many upsets have, ha- have, have happened. It's like every lame horse has somehow managed to win the Kentucky Derby. I mean, it's just like, how do these things happen? We're coming into an election where we wouldn't think it even be this close, right? And maybe it will, maybe it won't. Poll schmoles, who knows? But... It could be an upset again, and all of a sudden, none of us would be really surprised because we go, well, we've seen so much crazy stuff happen. It could happen. But it's a crazy world. The Cubs won the World Series last year, right? Leicester City. If you follow English Premier League football, and if you're a Liverpool fan, come and see me afterwards. Yay. Okay. Because Liverpool's going to win it this year, and then when I come preach next year, I'll be able to say, wow, Liverpool won after 20 years. That's what I'll be saying to you prophetically. But so many crazy things happen. Natural disasters. Houston at the moment, if you watch your news, just unbelievable once in generational, multi-generational events are happening now. Geopolitical tensions around the world are on the rise. There's, there's, there's looking, you know, it's just crazy stuff that has happened. And, and again, we live in a crazily immoral world. I follow Floyd Money Mayweather on Instagram just because it's hilarious. I don't agree with anything Floyd does or is, apart from the fact that he's a great boxer, right? What was McGregor thinking? But he's just, everything you see about him, it's just, it's money everywhere. It's so funny. He's like a cartoon character. He's just this caricature like, who is this guy and how is he like he is? But the Bible says in the last days, people will become lovers of themselves. That's Floyd. That's talking about Floyd and people like him. It's a crazy time. Look at your neighbour and say, you're crazy. It's a crazy time. We're living in a crazy, crazy age. That was just to get you talking. You're not really crazy. Some of you are. Some of you look a little crazy. (laughs) Just kidding. But our prisons, our prisons are overloaded. You know, the the moral depravity that we're kind of seeing 
on our family-friendly airtime on TV is nuts. You don't really see it until you have kids and then you go, whoa, what are you watching? My kids haven't even gone to bed yet and they're having to be subjected to this stuff, right? And we kind of just go, it's just what it is. It's just normal. We've become so conditioned to it. And, and it's just a crazy society. It's a crazy world we live in. And it makes me think again, man, the world needs a saviour, does it not? That needs a better amen than that, church. Come on, the world needs a saviour. That's what we're here for, to see people reach God, to see people come to God, to know my life was this and now it's this. You've turned it around, God. And so sometimes we can feel like we're in this chaotic world. In London, uh, years ago, I'm not a massive fan of rides, but I go on them and I have fun on them. But my wife is certainly not a fan of, of any kind of rides. And there was this gypsy fair. And I don't know if ever, ever you've been in the, the sort of, the, I think it's like a teacup and saucer ride, right? And so, so my mate Hamish, Hamish Monk and I sent our wives to this ride. We said, you guys will love it. And they're like, we won't. And they're like, just do it, it'll be fun. And so we put them on this ride, but we, it was kind of a manual thing. And so we sort of spin them around. And so, we, are you guys ready? And they're like, yeah, we're ready. And then we're like spinning them, spinning them, and spinning them. And we went faster and faster and faster. And they hated it. They both were just like, I think my wife was even pregnant at the time. I don't know. But it was just like, and they got off and they were just both like, and it was just, they were so sick. And she said, never put me on that ride again. But it made me think, that's like, can be like our lives. We're sitting in a saucer that goes round. So our internal world can be in turmoil. How are we going to cope? How are we going to pay the bills? How are we going to do all these things? And yet we sit on this massive mechanism that's kind of going around as well because we sit on our external environment. It's also crazy. And there's a lot of crazy going on on the inside of us and on the external world that we view. And everything's chaos. And how many know we can't live in chaos that long? Because it just brings confusion. And I think that the, the devil loves the chaotic world because he goes, cool, I can really mess with that. I can bring confusion. And people get lost in their thoughts and they start to spiral. And that's how life can be for many people. Okay, it's a bit of a somber tone. We've left that on. <laughs> Band can come up. No, kidding. Just in a minute. But it can be a pretty chaotic life. And so... We read about this guy, Zacchaeus, and I just want to bring up three simple things, and then I'd love to pray for some people. But Zacchaeus is a funny guy because he was the chief tax collector. So the tax collectors in the day in the Bible were, were the ones that we hated in society. Think about the worst of the worst. Think about those that are in prison, pedophiles. This is the kind of nature of the person we're talking about. The ones that we go, ah, oh. they were cheating people. They were just, they were robbing people, their own people. And yet Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector. So he was skimming from everybody. Everybody would say, cool, here's your taxes. They would take a bit for themselves. They would take a bit for the Roman government. And everyone was happy apart from the people they took the money from. And Zacchaeus would then go to all his guys and say, cool, I'll take my cut. So when it says in the Word, he became very rich. He became very rich off people becoming very poor. That's how he was earning his money. And so here's some things about Zacchaeus, though, that I love about Jesus. So Zacchaeus, how many know with Jesus? Jesus is an attractive figure. When Jesus was in the Bible, he was constantly thronged with people. Everybody was hanging out with Jesus. You see, shouldn't, if we live with the presence of God living on the inside of us, shouldn't that be us? Shouldn't it? If your life is not attractive, we've got to ask the question, why? Why would people not be drawn to what's on the inside of you? Why? 
our lives should be, we should be hanging out with people all the time. People should be drawn to us, but they go, there's something different about you. There's something different. I don't know what it is. I just want to come into your house all the time and eat your food and just hang out because there's something different about you. I don't know what it is, but you seem to have some answers that nobody else can give me. Right? So there's something different about us. But this was Jesus. And the first thing Jesus said is, Zacchaeus, isn't it great that in this crazy world that Jesus knows your name? Jesus knows your name. He knows who you are. Look at your neighbour. Do you know their name? They're like, um, I, I, can, I can probably articulate most of the people on my row, but, but isn't it great that Jesus knows your name? When he came by, he said he looked at Zacchaeus and called him by name. How many can forget names easily? Okay, a lot of you. Can I just put your hands up? It's not that hard. It really isn't. When you start hearing yourself say, I'm really bad at names. No, you're not. You're lazy, right? It's not hard. Here's what you do. Here's what I do. Because I say to myself, first thing I say is I'm good with names, right? I'm good with names, I'm good with names. And you know, the best thing I did was when I went onto the doors in the Orchard Church, there's thousands of people, and I'd go out in the last praise song to catch all you people that leave early. I'd be there. <laughs> I see you. And they'd come out and they'd go, oh, hey. Oh, it's, oh, it's just got up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I'd have to go, oh my gosh, who is that? And after a few weeks of it, you're like, you just got to be good at it because you had like, hey. What's up, man? Yeah, dog. Everyone was dog for a while. And then I'm like, yeah. Introduce them to someone else. So you get the whole, you know uh, my friend Fiona, don't you? And then Fiona's like, hi, have I met you? Oh, Sean. Hey, yes, that's right, it's Sean. So there's some techniques, sure. But when they say your name, here's what you've got to do. In my head, right, I go, Nicole, 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 Nicole. And in my head, that's what I'm doing. I'll go a little quiet for a while. You'll see me. Nicole, 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 Nicole. Right, it looks a little creepy. You're like, all right, and then I'll bust it out. Hey, Nicole, so what do you do? I'm not kidding. You just do those two things. It'll help you with names. But we're gonna start saying we're good at names. So many people come to church. Why? Because you know their name. I'm telling you the truth. Your name means something about you. It's who you are. Names in Hebrew days mean a lot more than they do now. Now I'm just Gary. I'm just Jake. But names back then meant a huge amount. They talked about who you actually were, your family line, everything about you. But Jesus knows your name. So we're not bad with names. But he went to the house of a chief tax collector. Do you know what? Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector in the region. The name means pure and clean. Zacchaeus, the worst of the worst, his name means pure and clean. What? Because why? Because Jesus saw him as that. He saw him as what he could be. He doesn't see me in all my weird sin stuff, my weird thoughts and my insecurities and all my hopelessness and my disobedience to him. He sees me as, Jake, you're amazing. And so when I get up these stairs every time, I tell myself, Jake, you're amazing. You're going to preach amazing today. You're going to declare. You're going to have authority, right? People are going to be healed. I say it every time. And more often than not, it works. Because I try and think, how would Jesus think about me when I jump up on these steps? He's thinking, oh, come on, Jake. You got this. This is awesome. Right? Rather than like, oh gosh, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so nervous right now. (laughs) Now you may be that that's fine. I'm not saying you're not. Every time I get up these steps, there's this, okay, here we go. But I tell myself, come on. I've got the creator, the, 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 the universe living on the inside of me. 
I can do this, right? At your job, at your school, in your study. Come on, you can do this. You don't need to fail that paper. You can do it. You just got to organize yourself. Know that actually God's behind you. He wants you to succeed. So Jesus, here's the thing what Jesus did. He then invited himself in. He invited himself into Zacchaeus' life. He said, I must be a guest in your home today. Now again, the society's funny. That's not a real etiquette thing, is it? I don't go, you know, hey Matt, how you doing? Oh Matt, yeah, I don't really know you that well, but I wonder if, could I come for lunch at your house? Is that cool? I know it's very weird to do, but can we hang out? Can we be friends? He'd be like, yeah, we could do that. <laughs> like, yeah. And then Abby's like, he's a weird guy. Don't run around. But no one does that, do you? You don't do that. Hey, man, I mean, I actually, I actually, too much to my wife, I do do this. New people coming to church, I'm like, where do you live, man? I'll come over. I'll bring some food around. We'll hang out. People do. All right. But I do it. But it's not a weird, it's a weird thing to do because I'm a slightly weird guy. But it's not etiquette to invite yourself into someone's house, is it? We sort of, we had these neighbours, uh, Nicolas and Julie, they were French neighbours when we used to live in Auckland and they lived just around the back of us and they were the new ones that moved into the neighbourhood and we all kind of knew each other in the neighbourhood and do you know what, it was them that invited all of us around for dinner. How embarrassing. I was like, I'm the Christian. I'm supposed to be doing this stuff. How dare you? I was highly offended at them for weeks. This is my job. I'm supposed to invite you in. And tell you about Jesus. How dare you invite me to your house with your little French patisseries and your beautiful food and your beautiful clothing and beautiful children, olive skin kids. How dare you beautiful people do this to me. But again, it was so strange. Like, oh, we're coming to their house. They'd been there three weeks. And they invite us and all the neighbourhood. And we're all feeling a bit sheepish. Like, hey, 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 Dave, how you doing? You know, <laughs> it's just like the weirdest thing to do. But Jesus does this to us. He wants to invite Himself into our world. He invades our world and He knows your name. And I think that's great about Him. He gives us, we don't want to be a church that waits for an invitation, right? You know, we can say in church life, oh, like, I'm just finding it really hard to connect into church. Oh, how long have you been here? About five years um, now. But, you know, like, no one kind of, no, no one invites me around and all that. And I know, like, I'm not, Please hear me. But this is your family. You've been here five years or something. This is your church. This is your home. You invite people into your home, right? We can do those things. But we don't want to wait for an invitation. I've got got, um, my friend Nicholas, different one. That was Nicolas. He was French. But Nicholas is my mate. And he's he's this guy. He's He's the most earnest guy you can imagine. Oh, God. You know, God willing, you know. Just hope God uses me. I want God to use me. Here I am. He's that guy, you know. Send me. He's, just, he's earnest about everything he does, right? And so he's, he's the kind of guy, he'll have all these stories. So he's in London one day and uh, he buys himself a beautiful uh, white chocolate and raspberry muffin, right? And he's like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna love this muffin. And he's walking down the street and there's a homeless guy sitting there, right? And he's like, and, and he feels God tell him, just give the muffin to the guy on the street, right? And he's like, God, <laughs> I'm so hungry, God, right? And he just sort of walks, he slows down and he's like, and then he goes around a couple of blocks and he just can't get rid of it and he hasn't eaten it yet. And then he's like, fine, you know, walks back and what happens? The guy's gone. And do you know what he does? He leaves the muffin there anyway. 
What, for the pigeons? Because they need Jesus? <laughs> Your pets are going to hell. I'm telling you now, that's the reality. All right? Especially you cat lovers. <laughs> it's going to happen, right? There is no cat heaven. But he's so earnest. And then, and then, and then I love telling his stories. And so in, uh, there's a place called Richmond Park. And in part of Richmond Park, there's this big hill. And again, he's running around the park. And he's running again. And he's like, oh, I was praying. And he's praying in tongue. Here I am. Headphones in. He's running. He's like, God, use me. I just, I want to be used as your, your vessel. You know, like, like this. And then again, he sees a girl pushing a, 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 another girl in a wheelchair up. As this hill is steep. They're not Bourbon Street steep, but it's steep. And he's pushing her up and he's like, here, it's lost in his world, here I am. Like this. And he's like, whoa, 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 sheesh, you know, because he was starting to fall backwards because it was so heavy. And he's like, hey, hey, watch out, watch out. Here I am, send me, I'll go. Like this. And not kidding, he gets to the top and he's like, oh my gosh. So he walks back down and he goes, can I help you? She goes, we're fine, thank you, we're fine. Right, just, just, you go, you know. He's that guy, but you don't need an invitation to do that stuff. Come on, let's, I love Reggie Dabbs' thought. Eight seconds you've got. You're in the supermarket, someone can't pay for the thing. Eight seconds, go and pay for it for them. Eight, seven, right? The time goes fast. Because we all know once eight seconds goes, the moment's gone, right? And we're finished. Anyway, I got a bit sidetracked, but I think that was good. (laughs) Jesus knows your name, first point, right? Write that down. Very good. Don't tell Pastor Will, right? Okay, so it's our little secret about what we do here tonight. All right, the second thing I love about Zacchaeus is Zacchaeus didn't delay. So, so, so Jesus, Zacchaeus didn't delay. When he says to him, it says Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. So again, again, put yourself in the same picture, right? You're at church and someone says to you, hey, I'm coming to your house today. And you're like, oh, okay, we could do that because you're thinking, they you, you know, we're going to connect, connect people in. We talk about connecting, it's what Christians do, right? We're going to bring it to our house. What are you thinking straight away? Uh, is my house clean? Did I make the bed this morning? Right? Is that mouse still there in that trap that I haven't chucked away yet? Right? Is it still scratching in the ceilings and the rat that I've got to take care of? You know, you're coming in and you're like, yeah, I'll just, um, let me just, so I live, you're like, you want to send them that way first. I live over here, but you've, there's a detour, you've got to go around. I'm going to go now, I'll see you at home. And you're literally like rally driving the way home to try and get everything, right? That's what you do, right? <laughs> you liars, that's what you do do. I do it all the time. Every eager, every Wednesday night, my house is spotless. <laughs> it's the only time I clean it. That's not true. But he quickly climbed down and he had great excitement and joy. He had great excitement and joy. He was so pumped that Jesus would come to his house. I reckon he was pretty lonely, Zacchaeus. No one liked him. Everyone knew he was skimming. Everyone knew he was on the take. And I just don't reckon he had a lot of friends. And I think he's so pumped. Because why? Because Jesus was this figure that was just thronged by people. And he says, I'm coming to your house. The loneliest person in the room he picked out. Doesn't matter where you're at tonight. Doesn't matter how isolated you feel. Jesus knows who you are. He knows who you are and he wants to come to your house. And he wants to know what the position of your heart is because he wants to say, come on, I can deal with some of that stuff that you're facing. And he's so good. So 
He didn't wait for an invitation. And tonight again, you don't need to wait for an invitation to accept Jesus. He's always there. We do church once a week, but you know, church isn't about what we do. Church is what lives on the inside of us. We are the church. I love the stories of people just going home at night and saying, God, I accept you into my life. Kneeling before their bed, just as genuine as it is here. He invites them into the mess and the chaos of his life. When's the right time to live with Jesus? <laughs> when's the right time? There's a lot of wrong times, but when's the right time? When is it a perfect time to say, okay, Jesus, I kind of, you know, because we still feel I've got my life to a point where I think I can invite you in now. I think, I think, I think I'm, yeah, I feel like I'm sort of halfway presentable. Jesus, you can cut, you may into my life now, right? It's good. Said a few prayers, feel pretty holy, tithe a little bit, prayed a little bit. But we kind of think there's, a, there's an, I used to think there's like an X meets the Y. There's an optimum point and where you know, I'm living a good life. You know, I'm running a bit, I'm going to the gym, I'm doing all the things, physically healthy, I'm eating good, I'm praying, I'm you know, fasting and I'm coming to church and doing stuff and I think, yeah, I'm living a good life. But Zacchaeus wasn't. His life was crazy, crazy lonely, crazy thievery, right? It's not a word, but he was just in a mess, I reckon. And yet he said he was so excited that Jesus would come into his mess and help. It's just rubbish to think that stuff's going to change for you tomorrow. Tomorrow never comes. Tomorrow is, has to be today. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day you get your healing. Today is the day you get set free. Surely it's today and not tomorrow. Why are we here then? Why do you come to church? Why? Why do we hang out together? Why do we do this dance with each other? Surely it's because we love being encouraged by people. We love this corporate atmosphere of praise and worship. But come on, more than anything, I think you're here because there's a curiosity to say, maybe tonight is my night. Maybe tonight God's going to do something for me. You know, the prophetic guy that comes to church and he goes, you, and you're like, me? No, no, the guy behind you. Okay, yep, yep, okay. <laughs> and you're like, why does anybody prophesy for me? We're always waiting for me because it's always about me. <laughs> it's always about me. But Zacchaeus didn't delay we can't delay. Do you know, Pastor Will's not waiting for you to serve. <laughs> He's not waiting for you to go, man, I've just, I've, you've been here five years now and I think it's the right time for you to start coming on team and serving in the hosting team. He's not waiting for you. He wants you to say, can I be a part of anywhere in, in church life? That's what he's waiting. He's not waiting for you to tithe. Why? Because we talked about this morning, it's truth. It's an immutable law, it just is. You give and it'll be given back to you. Pressed down, shaking together, running over. That's the life that we live. If you don't lay down your life for Jesus, then what are we, what are we doing here, right? I'm saying it because I know what it is to do that. I've sacrificed so much for Him and yet it's never enough because God is so good. I could never do enough sacrifice. But God's looking for our obedience. Scripture tells us our obedience is more important than our sacrifice. Even more, it's being obedient. If you feel God say something, come on, we've got to act on it. Right? Read the book of James. Let's not just be hearers of the word, but let's be doers of the word. His power is made perfect in our weakness. Again, I shared this morning, we've got to realize sometimes we're so weak 
But Jesus is so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. Right? It is true. Thank you for that. I forgot the bus, but that's true. That's true. And here's the thing. The third thing is this. Jesus brings order to chaos. He brought order to a chaotic existence. Because you know what he said? Here's the thing about Zacchaeus. Again, you've got to understand how bad this man was and how bad he was viewed. I can't talk about a person in society that would be that bad. This is is who we're talking about though. Think about the person who's offended you the most. Think about the person who is really hard to forgive, but you know you have to, right? Someone personal to you. Yeah, it's that person, right? And he comes into the presence of Jesus and he says this, I will give half my wealth to the poor. Jesus didn't even say anything to him. How many know when you're in church, I don't have to say anything, but you know God's talking to you because your heart's open. He didn't even say anything, and yet you know when you go out these doors exactly what you've got to do. Isn't that great about God? And Zacchaeus, all of a sudden, you know, we can talk about doing a course on this and a course on that, and these things are good things, but he realised what it was to repent and to go, man, he's, in his heart, all of a sudden he's like, man, I've cheated a lot of people and I've been really nasty to people. And he says, Jesus, just in your presence, there's something about your presence that kind of compels me. It's your kindness. You see, this wasn't him judging him and saying, Zacchaeus, you're a really, really bad guy. Do you know how bad you are? Do you know that you're hated by your whole community? Do you know that you're cut off? Do you know that I'm the only one coming to your home because nobody else will? That's not what Jesus said, is it? Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your home today. Why are we going to eat food together? How many know if we just open up our homes a little more, could we have the same kind of impact? Where we don't have to even say, you're a bad person. I'm only going to invite the tithers to my house. (laughs) Right? Oh, I'm going to look at the list and the biggest givers and I'll start with them and then we'll just work our way down and I'll get about halfway and I'll forget the rest of you. (laughs) Jesus doesn't do this stuff. There's nothing in there that says that. He picked the baddest guy in town. He said, you're the one who'll do. I'll come to your house. And all of a sudden, the baddest guy in town becomes the best guy in town. And we go, what is it about God that He does this? 1 Corinthians 14, 33, and the Amplified says this, For He who is the source of their prophesying is not a God of confusion and disorder, but of peace and order. You see, that war is waged, isn't it? Into these two worlds, there's chaos over this side, my little teacup story, right? My world is in chaos, but yet there is another side to this whole thing, and it's a side over this side of order. So here, this is order, and we go, oh, so this is the good side, and that's the bad side. No, 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 that's not what I'm talking about. There's no right or wrong side, but you can't camp on either one. So here, all you ordered, structured, solid people with good plans. How many list people have we got out here? All you list people? I go to the supermarket with three items in my head. Why? Because I can do it and I never have. (laughs) And I'll get five items and maybe one of them is maybe one of the ones on the list. And I'll get home and feel, go, did you get the eggs? No, my gosh, I forgot the eggs. But I've got these flowers for you. and I've got coffee, right? And I've got chocolates. But I haven't got the eggs. Haven't got the bread for the kids' lunches tomorrow, love. I'll go back and, yeah, okay. But she gives me a list and I'm like, no, no, don't need the list. I got this. It's only three items. And she goes, you've never, ever got the three right items in your life. 
But I love the fact that I back myself <laughs> every time. I still think I can do it. <laughs> so you order people like this. Oh, good, order. Finally, he's going to talk about order and structure. But you know, we can camp so far on the side that we structure God out of it completely. No, we got it all sorted. All your list people like, oh, I've got a list, 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 and that's great. But for you, sometimes God needs to throw you into a little bit of confusion. Sometimes I need to get your list and just get it. That's what God wants to do to your list sometimes because He wants to throw your world into a bit of chaos. When we moved down to Napier, can I say it was pretty chaotic. When I had the conversation with Sam, not a lot of people know this, but I'll tell you because you're family. I sat there eating a burger at Al's Deli around the corner from the church office. My favourite place was my favourite place. And I had a burger and these lovely curly fries that they make. And I'm sitting there and he's talking about Napier and I'm just like, this is not going to go away. And I feel physically sick. Physically sick. I'm only halfway through my beautiful burger and I just had to push it aside because I thought like, oh my gosh, this is going to upset. Like, all my friends are in all, everything I know, everything I know and all of a sudden I'm in this chaotic place and I'm like, how's our life going to work from down there? We've caught more planes in the last two years. Just that's what we do now. Our life has changed completely. It costs us personally a lot of money because this isn't all church cost. Not everything goes on the church. Pastor William does know this too. When we take people out, we don't always put it on church, right? Because I know what it is to make personal offerings too outside of my tithes and offerings. I just know I'm a giver. That's what I do. And sometimes I say it's church, sometimes that's me. So this is personal cost. And when we fly back and forth, it's not always church, but it's our money. Our kids don't have a lot of friends. Their friends are all back in Auckland. They're thriving. They're doing really well. But we have moments where we go, what are we doing here? We don't have a lot of friends. We don't, we're, we're different. We're just this conversation, we have a different. And then I go, maybe we're uniquely the right people to be here then. Because it's just strange to relate to people because we've got a great couple in our church and they've just, for the first time, one of them's gone overseas in his mid-30s. And I go, for me, that's like, wow. Like I went overseas when I was 11 for my first time by myself to Australia. And it's not to say I'm this, I just, I don't know, I've just, that's who I am and that's who he is. And so we talk about it. And I'm trying to say to this church, hey, we live in this big world. We're connected to all of these things going on. We're going to Kolkata. And it was like, where's Kolkata? It's in India. And we're connected to Pastor Binu and, and Dina. And they're doing amazing things. And we're working in these slum communities. And it's just amazing what God is doing. And I'm like, get on board. So this is the world that we live in. And it's chaotic at times. But you know, more and more, it's becoming more ordered. And more and more people are going, wow, I see what we're a part of. And you know, I think I'm the uniquely placed person to be there. I'm the person that needs to be there. Why? Because I'm probably the most connected person. I'm probably the one who gets this stuff more than a lot of people because I've been around it for 15, 16 years. So you've got these tensions and our inner worlds are in tension. And I really feel for some people tonight, and the band, you guys can come up, thank you. But tonight it's like, just get, I get this picture of, of like shallow breathing. And, and it's like you're, you're sitting here and you're thinking about your life and you're thinking about all the things that need to take place. And even tomorrow, you're kind of like, oh, I've got that meeting tomorrow. I've got that paper due or I'm back tomorrow for my final uh, semester. And it's just like, I've got to push through and I'm doing so many papers. And you, as you're talking, you're like, <sighs> and it's like your breathing is laboured and, and you start to get concerned and you're like, oh gosh, here I go again. 
And it's like a panic, a panic sets in. And you're just like, and I reckon you just lived in, in just in chaos too long. And you're sort of like, and can I say, when, when Jesus comes in, I believe He brings a sense of order to your world. And, it's a, and all of a sudden you come and you say, God, I invite you into, you've got to help me, you've got to help me. Why? And we haven't prayed in weeks, but yet somehow we're so desperate and the very person we call out to is Jesus. Why? Because we just know from a kid that that was the thing that I said when I was in Sunday school and I cried out to Jesus because my mum told me this is the thing I'm supposed to do. And so you, and you cry out to Jesus and all of a sudden you just feel this peace and it comes around you and you just go, do you know, my boys, when they get sleep at night, if they get upset, if they have bad dreams, I just, you know what I say? I just say, Jesus. I just tell my boys, just call upon the name of Jesus. He's the answer to everything. I said, Dad will be here sometimes and sometimes he won't, but Jesus will always be here for you. He'll always be there. And I just say, Jesus. And, 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 and when kids have these things where they kind of, they're in this dream, but they don't wake up, you know, they don't open their eyes and they're, they're still, and you're kind of like, please just open your eyes. Please just look at me. If you can just look at me, if you can look at me, I can see me and you can know Dad's here and you're safe. And sometimes they don't open their eyes and I say, okay, I've got to go to a different dimension. Jesus, Holy Spirit, you've got to speak to my son to tell them it's okay. And yet some of us feel like a three-year-old because we know what that feeling is like. And you feel like you just, you can't get a breath. Right? Young people, you know this. Pressures in schools. University, there's so much pressure because people apply pressure on you. Your parents are telling you, you've got to pass, you've got to get through this. Why? Because I was a doctor and my father's father was a doctor and you've got to be a doctor too. Because if not, what are you going to do? And none of these pressures you've put on yourself, but they've been heaped on you by friends, by people. Do you know when I said to my dad from London, I said, oh, dad, I'm going to be a pastor. I earned really good money. I was good at what I did in sales. That's all I did. I remember the day a nice brand new Audi came off the truck 13 miles on the clock and part of me thought, I've arrived. And I rang my dad and I said, hey, dad, he's in New Zealand. I was in London and I said, I just got some news for you. I said, what is it? And I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a pastor. That's what I'm going to do full time. And you know, <laughs> he gave me the worst answer because there was just silence on the phone. Hello, Dad, you there? And just nothing. And then he says, he says to me, oh, just, aren't you, aren't you kind of underselling yourself? Aren't you, you're better than that. Why would you go in to do that when you've got all this? lifestyle, the package, you can do whatever you want, you don't need a budget, you can go on holiday, you can give to your church if you want, you can do anything you want to do, and yet you choose this, and all the thing you want for your dad on Father's Day to say, right, is man, what a cool decision, if you feel to do that, do it, but these weren't the words that came out of his mouth, but you know what it did, man, it forged a conviction in me, because I had to fight through it, right, when you our weapons aren't natural weapons, right? We can't fist fight our way through it. We've got to know what it is to pray. We've got to know what it is to push in. We've got to know what it is to seek God and everything. 
We've got to know what it is to fight in the spirit and wage that kind of warfare. Because the battle's not out there. We all know that. It's in here. Right? All the wars are waged. Why? Because of pride. That's all it is. And here's the thing, and I'll finish with this verse. Hebrews 6.19 says this. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. This hope that we have in Jesus, this hope we have in Jesus is the anchor for our souls. See, Jesus sits us here and we're sitting in this little boat of life and we're on these crazy seas and at times the anchor's wedged on the bottom of the ocean floor. That's That's why the boat can't stray too far. And at times the wind will blow us this side into chaos, right? And we feel like, move to Napier, it's a little bit out of control. How's God going to work everything? Then all of a sudden, God intervenes, does stuff, the church grows, and you go, wow, maybe this is the right place for us. And then all of a sudden the wind blows over to this side and we feel like, yeah, actually I feel pretty comfortable now. I feel like I know what I'm doing. And God says, no, 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 now it's time to, right? But He's an anchor for our soul. We never stray too far when we have Jesus living on the inside of us. And so tonight, I want to pray for some people. Thank you for listening to this message recorded at Equipus Church, Dunedin. We pray it blessed you. For more information, please visit equipuschurch.com.